0: Take your Bibles now and open up to Luke chapter 1, it's a good spot to start. If you remember last week, I gave you two sermons for the price of one, at least that was my intention. You only got one out of the deal, sorry about that, I spoke too big. Well, I intend to give uh, two more sermons for the price of one today, and uh, I'm going to pray first right now and ask God to minister to us through his word. Father, in Jesus' name now, we put ourselves under your word as students as disciples, as kids, as sheep, as theologians. Every one of us in here a theologian that is we're studying God. We have heard of him and we have opinions about him and we want those opinions and those thoughts to be directly from the Holy Spirit through your word. He said in Romans 10:17 that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And there is no way to please you apart from faith, acts of faith and thoughts of faith, restraint of faith. So we do what we do because we're in great need this morning, and I would maybe be the most in need as I teach, as I share, and I beg of you, Lord, to bless us with your presence and with your order and with your purpose. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us divine words, that we would all leave here with a conviction. That each one of us would know is very personal, something for us to do as individuals, something that is something we cannot not do in our lives and move forward. I pray for a very unique personal comfort to be ours as well, just to squeeze our hearts, remind us that it's okay, remind us of the things we've forgotten. I also pray, Lord, for a special gift of healing. The body is gathered, and I pray in Jesus' name for the gifts that you have in store for those, Lord, today that need physical healing, that you, Lord, would just grant that to them, that it would be from you to them, that it would be special and sweet. So if that's you, you know it, and I just would have you to utter to the Lord, yes, yes, Lord, I'll receive that. And the Lord, you would just be good and be God in our midst. I believe you have started something here in my life and in our lives, and we just pray that you'd continue to do it for your glory. And by your will and through your power, we humbly submit to you now in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are so nice. When you do that at like fast food restaurants, there's nobody laughing. It's just, just not the same. But notice I turned my mic off for the sound guys and I coughed over here for the musicians. Recently, recently, if you've been going to church here for a while, you've heard me teach or from this pulpit or in scriptures or maybe even just sideways thoughts, various stances and various ideas and various conclusions um, that are not too popular with everyone. In our political climate that we're in and in some of the things that we see in the scriptures, I've taught on subjects and referenced them at least touching go uh, subjects such as alcohol as John the Baptist was to have no wine or strong drink, abortion, as we see these babies in the belly with names and dispositions and responses and spiritual climates, even in the belly, they're having spiritual interactions. The, uh, the body, when when it's growing in a mama's belly, at 16 weeks, can hear audibly, can understand voices and receive, and it's just, we've seen that in, in the scriptures. Uh, I taught on things such as respect for the Virgin Mary, but not the worship of the Virgin Mary, saying we should be like her, but not pray to her. And I know some people are uh, very offended at what that might mean uh, to them. Uh, talked on and just spoke briefly about medical and recreational marijuana. Actually, don't remember teaching about that. That's just pun right there. I'm just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I did get some emails that I must have taught on it and said something. And uh, last week, I taught an entire message on politics and not getting distracted into either rut, but staying on the road. Just what might be happening in our culture. And not just our culture, but every culture. That being said, the feedback was quite interesting. And I share this with you because I want you to be equipped. I received emails, uh, messages, and arguments on various issues. Um, I even had one person tell me via email and then follow up verbally face-to-face that they're leaving the church based on some of the stances. That uh, And she was surprised. She said, am I the only one? There's got to be more dozens. And I said, All right. They must not have my email address, then. I don't, I don't know, you know, and I, I kind of asked her, I said, what did you hear me say exactly? And she actually misunderstood what I had said, and I tried to clarify, and there was no, no hope or no help in that. And um, to say that I personally am not impacted by messages and emails would uh, be a lie, because I am, uh, much like you would be when people send you notes. Uh, Here's the deal, though. I would also say that I received dozens of messages, if not more. I mean, that's probably an overstatement more, but dozens of messages and emails and notes from people saying, thank you so much for taking a biblical stance on some of these hard issues, for even saying the things that are coming from the pulpit and preaching and not hiding behind the pulpit, but instead presenting God's word in clarity and in humility. And I I pray in Jesus' name that nobody ever looks at me, Luke Freshette, as a know-it-all or a boss or a monger or a weirdo or a clubber or a Bible thumper. I try and present what God presents as truth and clear, okay? It's pretty clear. Praise God. And then, and then without promoting your, yourself as one who does it all, knows it all, instead making... I make a lot of examples of myself. I don't know if you know that. My pastor, Mark Anderson, he actually told me in confidence one day, he said, I don't like talking about myself from the pulpit. And I was like, why? I said, when you talk about yourself, usually you're making fun of yourself. And it's awesome, and I can learn, and I can see it on, and he's like, well, I just don't like to draw attention to myself. And I was like, man, that's how I learn. When I see somebody else fall in the mud puddle, you know what I miss? The mud puddle, you know? And I just thank you for taking that mud puddle for me. And, uh, but God's word is true, absolutely true. And uh, in, in thinking through some of the stances that we've covered and presented in the Bible, and what it will cost you to take those stances, it's just a stance, okay? That's what the Bible says, armor up. Ephesians chapter 6, we studied it. Put the armor on and then just take a stand. Just stand. It doesn't say swing, okay? It doesn't say load or shoot or punch. It says stand with the armor on. And why would you put armor on just to stand? Because when you put armor on to stand, you're going to get shot at. You're going to get dinged around. You're going to get picked on. And as I thought about that with these issues such as divorce and Abortion, same-sex relationships, forgiveness, every subject in the Bible. You need to know what the Bible says clearly, and it's pretty clear, okay? There's things in the Bible, as I've taught before, I, just don't, I don't necessarily like as a human. Like, oh, I wish it didn't say that, but it does. As a matter of fact, today, upstairs and downstairs, the kids' wings, they're teaching on the Ten Commandments. That's what they're talking about today. Recently I heard a pastor, Pastor Paul Tripp, answer the question to parents. How do I know when to give grace to my kids? You know, they're blowing it. Just give them grace. And how do I know when to give them the law? You know, bring it, you know, fivefold, 10 commandments, you know, whatever. And he said, you don't understand. He said when the law was given, it wasn't because they were in trouble. It was because God loved them and graced them and said, hey, you're in the, we're together now, we're a family, I've rescued you. We're in the wilderness, it's gonna be a little wonky for 40 years, and then the rest of your life, so I'm gonna give you the law, because I love ya. I want you to have a great time. I want you to know how to play the game, I want you to know where the borders and boundaries are, what the objectives are, I want you to know. Have you ever sat down to play a board game and not looked at the law, the rules? Okay, It doesn't go well, fights and mayhem and chaos, but when you read the rules of games, all of a sudden, that game becomes a unique, special experience that you enjoy. So, too, when God gives us the law, that is what he says about all these issues, he has an opinion about all of them. When he says, This is what you should think about this, I don't want to think that. Well, that's because you're wrong. Okay? It's because you haven't understood the heart of God. And when you truly take time to understand the heart of God, the grand meta narrative, and the kindness of God, and The severity of God. And when you choose to look at God holistically, even though you have to put some armor on and stand and get shot, which is going to happen spiritually, emotionally, it will happen when you take a stand for the truth. Here's the deal though. On these issues, in order to take a biblical stand well, you have to continually remind yourself of the purpose of life, okay, the goal, the target. What is your purpose? What is your target? What is your goal? What makes you conclude, I like that idea. I like that law. I like this thing. Is it to your goal and target and purpose in life? Is it to honor yourself and live your best life now? And there's a whole society that says, yeah, just, just live well. Take care of yourself. Make sure it's all... And when you do that, you'll find yourself diverted. Here's another goal or target that is presented high. Uh, Honor others and serve people. Does that sound pretty pretty nice? Honor others and serve people.
1: Eh.
0: Did you know that by honoring others and serving people, what you're really saying is, I want to be honored and served because I'm an other too? You're tricked into thinking, if I just... If it's all about humanity, if I'm a humanitarian... I'm humanistic if I'm anthropocentric look it up later if I if I am that oh then man is the highest to serve and in that it's going to ultimately come back and serve me it's very selfish and sneaky the other idea which we all reject at least after we get out of college is to have a blast because you only live once you know and that's not it either you tried that in college that was super fun but man not worth it here's the deal here's the goal here's the goal The purpose of life is to honor God and serve his will. That is the purpose of life. Anything just one notch less than that. Eh. I want to serve humanity and change the world. No. Not first. Serve God and his will. And the byproduct of doing that will serve humanity and change the world. But your prime product in humility and on your knees. And with concern has to be to honor God and serve his will. And when you do that, all these other things shall be added unto you in a legit way. And your life will begin to take form and shape. The purpose of life is to honor God and to serve his will. Now, if you choose anything other than that, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to armor up. There's no need for armor. No one's shooting at you anymore. And you won't take a stand. You just won't. Instead, you'll take your armor off, and you'll fall down for whatever's most tempting to you or pleasing to the culture. Don't raise your hand, but have you done this before? Have you not stood for what God says is clear? Just, I want to honor God and his will, and find out what that is, and stand and armor up. I don't really want to do that. Instead, you'll take armor off, and you'll find what's pleasing to culture or what's tempting to self. We've all been there. It's a compromise. It's a compromise. I used to have a car... I think it was in 1997, I'd probably flatter myself, probably 93. I don't remember. It was a Nissan Pathfinder though, the thing was legit. And the people that sold it to us had a pit bull. And there was a sticker on the dashboard, and if you took the sticker off, it was where the pit bull had tried to get into the glove box. <laughs> they had gone to the crystal ballroom in Portland to go party and had left some dog treats in the glove box with the dog in the car. And the dog thought, I like this game. I like this. You know, anyways, when we bought the car, they gave us a new thing to put in, but we never did. A new sticker. Yeah, we actually had a sticker. We took theirs off and we put ours on and ours just said, Compromise Kills. This was there for many years. Just right. Compromise skills. We got it at a Christian concert. Any compromise will slowly take you off. Now I saw some of the people that I offended at Fred Meyers. You guys ever been to Fred Meyers before? (laughs) It's like SBC North. okay. It's like SBC 2.0. I mean, you go there, and there's hoodies and people. There's a place to put offerings. It's for food. It's different, you know. And <laughs> it's bizarre. It's kind of fun. And there's so many, it's so fun. And here's the deal, deal. I'm just telling you my story. I'm telling you my story. Because I get to talk today. And I saw these people say, like, oh, man, I offended that person specifically. I know, so they, I saw, I could tell, and I, I, I offended them, and I felt bad for having rubbed them the wrong way, and I felt bad for being misunderstood and rejected because of my own beliefs. And it, it, but Proverbs 29, verse 25, tells us that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. You ever heard that verse before? The fear of man to be afraid of what others think of you to not do what you know is right because man they're going to misunderstand me they're going to think i'm a bigot and a weirdo they're going to just they're going to reject me they're going to want to they're not going to do business with me they're going to leave the church living that kind of lifestyle the bible says implicitly is a snare now not a snare like a snare drum like luke orwinsky plays because that's cool different kind of snare a snare is what you would use to entrap an animal And then not to domesticate it, you would entrap an animal to kill it. And when you and I live in the fear of man, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? How am I going? Oop, I can't post that. Can't check into South Beach Church on a Sunday morning. They'll know. I don't want them to know. Listen, that'll bring a trap. You'll be trapped. You'll be destroyed. But the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now I'm not here to please man. And you're not here to please yourself. If you're living to please others, you're really just living to please yourself. Because, like I said, you are an other. The goal of life is to please God and not man. And if you do please God, you're going to serve your mankind well. So let me just say this. you got to know what the Bible says and believe it. That's what we do here on Sundays. I hope you're learning stuff. I hope you're learning. Every time I teach through a book, Romans or or, damn, I just see so much that I didn't see before for God. And I hope you're learning. Oh, okay. Now I know what I believe. Now I know what. If you, though, are coming to conclusions and believing, can I just say this? Walk in love. Okay, that's what you got to do. Walk in love. Love people more than yourself. Love people people, more than your own stance, more than your own doctrine, Matter of fact, I was in many debates when I was younger. I try not to debate now, it's just not worth it to me. And I was debating these these issues and these theological stances. And I met this one guy who's wiser than I. And he said that when he and his buddies debate about things, eschatology, end times, or Armenianism versus Calvinism, and he says he says, We've made a rule. We don't debate each other anymore unless. Unless we're knee deep in ministry, unless we are in the trenches with the lost, unless we are serving those less fortunate, unless we're doing, unless we're loving people, really. And you can trick yourself into saying, well, I love people. That's why I stay at home every day. That's why I study my Bible. You know? Love is a verb. Love is an action. Walk in love. Truly love people. And the conclusions you come to about what Christ has said will then be coded in love. And love covers a multitude of sins. Be careful. Be very leery of coming to theological conclusions and loading your gospel gun and looking for somebody to pump full of love. Be careful of that. Know what you believe. But walk in love. Walk in love. Also, speak in humility. Really think about how you sound on Facebook or with your in-laws or friends. You won't come across as weak. You'll come across as meek, and meek is power when you speak in humility. Also, serve with energy. I have known way too many Christians that have good theology but poor ministry. Don't do that. And repent swiftly. The best part about being a theologian is learning to repent swiftly. There is a misnomer within Christendom, churchianity, now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm walking with Christ, I can't sin anymore, at least not let anybody know about it. Eh. Repentance is a lifestyle. You know that, right? It's a lifestyle. Oh, men and women. Don't believe the hype that now that I've been a Christian for six months or two years or. A decade. I can't let them know I still struggle with this secret addiction, the secrets, and I can't let them know I'm a hypocrite. I think we know you're a hypocrite. The offensive part is when you don't repent swiftly, hide it, stuff it. My kids, I teach them this all the time. I say, guys, gal, two boys and a girl, when you blow it, when you sin, if you come to me, okay, with your mistake. And own it and embrace it and expose it, the consequences will be so different than if you hide it, minimize it and lie about it. Nemo, my seven year- old's got a real tender heart when it 's not blocked by stubbornness. <laughs> and one day he came in the kitchen, I think I told the story recently, he just looked right at me, stone-faced dad, you wrecked my bike. I'm like, "Oh, you' all right? Yep, but I ran into your car. <laughs> and I I was really, I was actually kind of stoked. I was like, I mean, you, you blasted into it. Yep. I was like, did you leave a mark? He's like, yep. <laughs> and I was, I was actually stoked. I was like, let's go look, let's go look. And we went out there and he showed it to me and I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's a mark. That's a, right there. You're forgiven, totally forgiven. It's just a car, it doesn't matter. Thank you Nemo for telling me. Thank you Nemo for not hiding it from me, for not letting me have to discover it myself. And who did the mark on my car? And I just, such a, good repentance it's a lifestyle careful christians you represent christ and if you're not careful you'll think oh i can't blow it ever i can't be real i can't i I, the world's watching via facebook in aisle two at fred Myers and i can't be uh." what demonstrates christ so beautifully is when a man or a woman or a family repents swiftly and doesn't try and hide it I've told the story, I, I'm super digressing. This is horrible. It's a horrible way to start the service. We had this young man, at-risk youth, his name was Gabe, in Ashland, living with us. He lived with us for about a year. He's a, a drug user, and he couldn't, couldn't stay clean, so his family asked us to have him and give him UAs on the daily and all the rest, and we just brought him back to health to the best of our ability.
1: And one day, he was
0: a, grew up in a Christian family in Canby, and he was... At our house, and I don't remember who I offended, but I offended somebody. I did something wrong, personally. I was the, the patriarch of the house. I either offended him or my wife or my kids. I do not remember. But I do remember I owned it to everybody. I apologized. I repented. I said I was wrong. I didn't minimize or share the sin. I just I owned it, and he couldn't believe it. So wait, did you? I've never seen in all of my Christian days growing up in a Christian environment, never seen the patriarch. Never seen the one in charge, the youth pastor, the leader. Never seen the person so fully own their own stuff in humility without just saying, well, you should have, and I shouldn't. You know, it's the, the way it is, and I'm the boss, and blah, blah, blah. And it was just repentance on display. I like having the right stance. I don't like being wrong. I hope you do too. I like knowing what the Bible says clearly. But that doesn't mean you're not going to sin in the future or make mistakes or say something dumb. You know what's going to bless your coworkers and your family members and your watchers is when you walk in a spirit of humility and repentance and not a greater than thou mentality. This is going to open up many doors for you, many, many witnesses. And also as a Christian, and I share all this because this is how my week went in all the reactions to the teachings and taking the stances, and I'm sure it's going to get more interesting in the future. The last thing I would say for you in this list I have here is to trust mightily, not just swift repentance, but mighty trust, trust the Lord. There's no fear in trusting the Lord. You have to look to him. If I trust the government or trust Facebook or trust the likes, the dislikes and the anger faces on my feed, if I trust all that, I'm going to be all over the place. And so what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life, and they decided this many years ago, the church did, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever it's the great nicene creed to glorify god and to enjoy him forever that is the purpose of life not to serve humanity that's a byproduct not to be popular that's you're not popular anyways (laughs) to serve god glorify him and enjoy him forever as a matter of fact uh just trying to wrap this up and get into sermon number two Uh, Luke 6 26 Jesus said, we'll see in a couple weeks here in Luke 6 uh, Jesus said woe to you when all men speak well of you He said they hated me first they're gonna hate you also And I was talking to my wife about all this just kind of processing it and Showing some of the emails and just and even my wife was talking about some other things and I said honey As the days get darker We need to stay the course and if it offends people Okay, it's it's really Jesus said it would. He said, if they hated me, what do you think? They're, they're going to hate you too. They're going to think you're a kook. They're going to think you're nuts. They're going to think you hate them when in actuality you love them. They're going to misunderstand you. And nobody wants to be misunderstood. Oh, no, no, let me explain, let me explain. I don't see Jesus doing that a lot when he said crazy stuff. Remember John chapter 6, where Jesus had about 15,000 followers. Church is really exploding. Got to move to three services. And Jesus said, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they're like, we're out, bro. (laughs) Cannibalism is not cool. Totally not down with that. And Jesus didn't say, oh, that's not what I meant. No, no, stay, stay, stay. (laughs) They left, all of them, 15,000 people or more, John 6. And then Jesus, seeing this grand moment to test his disciples, said, guys, there they go. Go ahead and go too. If you'd like. It's your choice. I'm not going (laughs) to freak out. And Peter, my favorite verse in all the Bible, John 6, 68, Peter responded to the Lord. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have both come to know and believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 69, follow 68. So I just spoke with my wife about these issues, and I speak with you now because I love you guys. And I want you to both be equipped to be the odd person out. To, to be the one that isn't so excited about what everyone else is excited about, to then not, though, take that so far where you become a barbarian and a clubber, Bible thumper, okay, where instead you work so hard to walk in humility, transparency, authenticity, repentance. Just the joy of the Lord, the joy of knowing the truth, the joy of being called to be missionaries and servants. I, I personally, and I've struggled with this, I do not want to be hated or offensive to people. Some of you have heard the term people-pleaser, it's, like, it's, kind of, it's a pro and a con, like to serve people, make them happy. I, I kind of have that. But instead of being so fearful of being offensive to God, I would rather spend my days trying not to be, or instead of being so fearful of being offensive to man, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Instead of being preoccupied with that, I'd rather be preoccupied with the fear of being offensive to the Lord. I don't want to offend him. I want in humility and love, transparency, authenticity, humility. Come to the theological conclusion, El Numero Uno. Theology 101. What is it? There is a God and you're not Him. Okay, all right. We don't have to repeat the class. Man! Uh, this will just straight guide you in all of your wonderings and worryings and wanderings. Oh, there is a God and I'm not Him. Wow, for a minute there, I thought I was him. Don't you? Yeah. Thanks for being honest, Jan. <laughs> Everyone out here is like, no way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got it? Everyone good? Got it. Got it. Love you guys. Don't leave the church. <laughs> if you do, email me first. Open up your Bibles now to Luke 1 where we left off, we have 21 minutes. Get into the text. Believe it or not, somebody just tried to FaceTime me on my phone up here, that's great. (laughs) Somebody I offended, evidently. Ah, Look at verse 45, actually, let's start with verse 44 of the gospel of Luke. I just want you to see this, so beautiful, oh my goodness. Elizabeth and Mary are meeting for the first time in a long time. Mary. Mary, Mary quite contrary. Mary! Little 14-year-old Mary, little mare-mare. Had walked via the angel's direction, the angel's prophecy, the scriptures in her heart, had walked herself by herself a hundred miles. What? What? I drove a couple hundred miles yesterday came home crazy you know she walked hundreds of miles one way and a hundred the other way to meet with elizabeth her cousin her older cousin her older cousin who was barren and yet who had conceived miraculously a baby a god baby a miraculous baby a 400 year old prophecy baby she heard this and she believed everyone say believed ah and the belief in her heart led her to the things that she did, to walk a hundred miles. Would you walk a hundred miles? Uh, I'd have to have some really serious belief. Yeah, she did. She did. And as she walks, verse 44, it says, for indeed, this is now Elizabeth's response to Mer, her cousin, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting, Mary, sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. The babe, of course, is John the Presbyterian. No, no, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, J the B, Jesus' younger, or should I say older cousin. And she says, when you walked in, this baby, now we all know babies flutter and kick and they push and they punch and they do stuff. But this interaction is a miracle right here. This miracle fellowship. These two girls come together. Inside of Mary's tum-tum is Jesus growing, real small. And inside Elizabeth's tummy is John the baptizer, who would baptize Jesus later, who would be the forerunner to prepare the way. And as they come together, these two gals, all of a sudden the babies start to do exercise. Yoga poses. And breakdance. And Elizabeth says, this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. Why is this happening? And then she goes ahead and concludes why this is happening. Verse 45. This is where we left off. This is where we'll start. Believe me, we're trying to start. She says this. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now just imagine little Mary. Hundred-mile traveler Mary. Scared Mary, wondering, Mary, in over her head, Mary, young Mary, walks into the room. Hey, Zacharias, cat got your tongue? Remember, he, he couldn't speak. As a matter of fact, we'll see next week that most likely he couldn't hear also. That he was completely dumb because of his unbelief. No talky, no hiri. And she sees Zacharias, who's not helping her out, and says, is Elizabeth here? And Elizabeth hears it, and the baby, and just imagine Mary's listening to this now. Whoa, I'm blessed because I believed. And then what comes next is called the Magnificat, Mary's song. This song that just flows from Mary's heart, 14 years old. It's the tune of her lips. It's the overflow of her heart. It's the fruit of what comes out of her. So. I'm just going to read it, okay? I'm going to read it, and then we'll get back to work, okay? I'm just going to read it so you guys get something today. Here it goes. Ready? And Mary said, verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Why? verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty, and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. What in the world? This girl pops in looking for her older cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, I hear you. And when I heard you, woo, stuff started going down. Blessed are you, Mary, Mary. For you have believed that everything that God has declared to you is going to happen. And she goes into this song. And I read it quickly. You can read it on your own. Did you know that in this song, just a few verses, in this song, there are over 20 references to Old Testament stories, quotations, and pictures. Out of the overflow of her mouth. Came 20 references to scriptures now I say that to say this Mary was a girl and in that culture girls didn't get taught to read or write they just didn't they would never learn it it wasn't part of the cultural offerings at that time She didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write. Girls, women at that time, would not be allowed to go to synagogue in worship and learn. They wouldn't be allowed to, not for them. They wouldn't be allowed to eventually go to the yeshiva, to the schools of learning, and to read, and to understand, and to learn the concepts. She didn't have that afforded to her. Yet at this time, when she's just as blessed by believing in what comes out of her, Is the word that had been stored up Here's the question I have for you If she can't go to Bible study She can't go to Bible school She can't read the Bible How in the world, pray tell, does she have the word stored in her heart? Someone tell me I'll tell you Maybe the next service will be smarter than you guys No, I'm just kidding In that day There were Three forms of learning. There was written tradition. There was oral tradition. And then there was the not just the scriptures, but the writings. And they would share and learn these as family units. This particular girl lived with a family that loved the word of God. That knew the word of God. That worshipped the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 138, verse 2, you have exalted your word even above your own name, the Bible. Can you imagine a family unit like Mary's? What it must have been like sitting around at night, no electricity, no Facebook, no Instagram, no YouTube, no Netflix and chill. None of that was going on. But instead, it was, hey, let me tell you the story of Jonah. Let me tell you the story of daniel let me tell you the story of elijah and all the kids would gather together and tell us about elijah again elijah how many of you guys love the stories of elijah you know what's interesting about elijah is that james jesus little brother when writing his epistle in the new testament says elijah 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 is just a normal dude Same countenance, same nature as you and I. Nothing special about him. He's just a normal guy used to do great things. And Mary knew these stories. That all the men, all the women of the scriptures were just normal people that God chose to do great things with. We talked about that two weeks ago. We talked about why in the world did God use Mary to do such amazing things? Was it because of Mary? The answer is starts with N, rhymes with O. Wasn't because of Mary. Because that's what God does He seeks to find Moseses and Gideons And Davids Who dance with sheep And peoples that we would never identify Peters and Pauls And Marys That's a band reference right there He had he, on purpose And James knew that And Mary knew that And so when Mary heard the crazy things that God was going to do She instantly believed uh-huh. I know the word I know what God's capable of doing. Did you know that specifically there were two scriptures that Mary had tucked away in her heart? The first one was 800 years prior to her existence in the book of Isaiah chapter 7. In the book of Isaiah chapter 7, it says that behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a baby and we shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What an intense prophecy. She knew that prophecy. It had been shared to her from her parents, her mom and dad. Her mom's name was Anne, traditionally. If you ever go to Israel with us, which I'm really wanting to put together a trip, so if you have a desire to go to Israel, email me, let me know, and we'll put that together hopefully just as soon as we possibly can. And you can go to the St. Anne's Cathedral there at the Pool of Bethesda inside Jerusalem proper, and it's this house of worship dedicated to Anne, Mary's mom, because they love to worship and they love the word so much. So much and so... Mary knew this scripture that there would be a virgin. This would happen. So when the angel showed up and said, "Hey, you're a virgin. Good job. Way to keep yourself on the path. God's going to do something for you," she thought, "I believe it. You said it. I believe it. That settles it." She also knew the prophecy four hundred years after from Malachi. Malachi, the Italian prophet. Malachi. Malachi, 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 not Malachi, Malachi, and Malachi prophesied in chapter three and chapter four, that there would be a forerunner born, not a Tahoe, not an expedition, not an explorer, a forerunner. You guys, man, get with this, just get with this. A forerunner, what it says, a forerunner would be born preparing the way for the Lord, making straight his path. She knew that. So when the angel said, behold, your, your cousin Elizabeth also has a baby, miraculously, she knew what made Mary believe. The fact that she knew what God had already declared. Well, let me just ask a different question. What made Mary blessed? That's the first word in verse 44, 45. Blessed are you. You know what the word blessed means? Happy. I don't have time to get into it. I don't have time to do anything today. In Psalm 119, though, I would highly encourage you to bathe yourself in it this weekend. I know the weekend's almost over. Steal away 20 minutes. Power through it with a pen. Underline the verses that stick out to you and what they might mean. Psalm 119. It's 176 verses long. It may take a cup of coffee. It's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And its content... And its topic of interest is the Bible. The longest chapter in the entirety of the Bible is all about the Bible. And every verse, I, I knew I knew a school group in Ashland that actually their graduating class memorized all 176 verses of it. And when you read it, it does at times seem very repetitive. The, emotions of the writer about the psalm it's all about god's word and all about his need and love for it i I need to say this and i'm just going to try and condense my whole message i did a bunch of studying and preparing all that's for me not you what made mary blessed what allowed mary to believe was her reception of and understanding in the scriptures she knew what it said she had taken the time even though she was illiterate Even though she was a woman, even though she couldn't have the resources afforded to her that everyone else did, that wasn't an excuse for her. She knew, maybe based on her parents and the influence, I'll tell you what. Not everyone is, not everyone has the same path. I for one though am very thankful to my parents, Joe and Arla, who taught me at a young age to love God. To serve him, to believe in him, to know him, to study the scriptures, to find him. They taught me that. It was in my house. I saw it. I witnessed it. Even days when I was wayward and wandering, I remember sneaking in at night, coming home, thinking everyone was asleep. And there was my dad. And I remember seeing him on the chair with his word. And I'm thinking, what in the world? He loves that book. He's in that book. And that instilled in me an appreciation. And I would just say, parents, the impetus is on you. We have Sunday School. We're teaching your kids right now. It's our pleasure. We're not going to have an impact on them, though. Not really. Not really. It's parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, people that both model it in the way they live and then teach it in the way they strive for their kids to understand. This morning, just in my office, I think it's my office out here. Nemo was there, just Nemo and I. I said, Nemo, you want me to teach you a cool verse? He said, yeah, what is it? I said, it's Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I not, might not sin against you. So you know what that means? He's seven and very honest. He's like, no. He said, it means that you take God's word, what it says, and you just believe it. You put it in your heart, and it will help you then to know what's right and wrong. Help you do what's right. And this idea of just loving our kids and teaching them the word, it starts with you loving the word yourself, loving it, wanting to know it. I encourage you. I'm going to do it again. Read Psalm 119 in the next 36 hours. Do it. Just do it. My Shia LaBeouf impersonation. The longest verse, should I say, longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Why did she get used so greatly? God's sovereignty, but also co-opt with human responsibility. Mary was a virtuous woman, a woman of the word, a woman of fortitude and dedication. Walking a hundred miles to fulfill God's word. Would you walk a hundred feet? Mary, when impacted by her cousin, out of the overflow of her heart, references 20 scriptures in a song. Could your 14-year-old daughter do that? Could you do that? The Bible does say, and hope we get this, and this is just, just you gotta just deal, wrestle with this forever. Out of the abundance of the heart... It overflows. The mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth is what was already in your heart Okay, at any given time, whether you're talking like a salty sailor or a slippery salesman or a grace-filled girl. She just gets impacted by her aunt, by her cousin, I should say, I want to call by her by her cousin. And, oh, blessed be the Lord. Oh who is considered his maidservant just goes into, then, these references. So you all did mention, where did this word come from out of our heart? You guys mentioned the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're right. Did you know the Bible promises you that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance those things that you have tucked away previously when you need them, when you're brought to trial or to court or attacked or asked a question? Such a cool verse for guys like me who find themselves in trouble or defending themselves or preaching or sharing. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, man, he'll just reach in and grab stuff out. Don't even trip. Take no thought for what you're going to say. It's what Jesus said. Here's the deal, though, God's sovereignty. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Holy Spirit can only withdraw out of you what you've already deposited into you. Okay? He can only pull out of you what you have already siphoned down into you, what you've invested. The time that you take to put into God's word to know him and then hopefully to make him known. This is such an elementary teaching. As a matter of fact, I went to bed last night and said, I don't have anything to say, please. But I just kept coming back to that truth. It's just so simple. You and I need to return to a commitment to reading God's word, to knowing God's word, to, to storing and stowing God's word. Read Psalm 119 today. In there, the psalmist says, before, that's a past, before I knew your word, I went astray. Before I did this, I was a weirdo armor off, falling down for whatever was popular. But now because I've been afflicted, because I went through the ringer, all your word to me, your word is better than life. And maybe this is a message for me. Maybe God wants Luke Frorschet to look at Mary, Mare Mare, and to see the overflow, the beauty, the worship that comes from her. And to intrigue me to not forget where I started my journey with Jesus. My love affair with him in his word. You can't afford not to, friends. You just can't afford not to be a person of the Word, a family of the Word, and maybe you are here and you say, "I believe it. I believe it." Back off, Pastor. I'm all in. I just don't got time for it. You're not. You're not all in. Then you believe. Your belief is an. So many excuses come to my mind, I'm tired, I don't have time, I don't know what to read. I get that all the time. And I understand. I just don't know what to read. There's so many things, so many things, so many things. Pick a book, pick a chapter and get so familiar with it. Start with Peter. Okay, Peter's a total knucklehead. You can all relate to Peter. Read first Peter. Peter speaking to the pilgrims, the sojourners. The one's walking through a strange land in a fiery, trialist time. Oh, Peter ministers to my heart. Yeah, but there's so many questions. I have so many things I don't understand. Google it. Have you not Googled it yet? I get texts all week long and emails too, mostly texts, all week long from a couple people. Look, what is Jesus even saying in this verse? What is happening here? What does this even mean? What does this? I love it. I love it, Noah. I love it when people text me and I, get, and I go, oh, what does it say? And I go into the jails and I say, just read, tuck the word away. It's not new. It's not a, a secret formula. It is the way to be blessed. As a matter of fact, Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2 begin with blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed literally means happy. The happiest people in the world. If I had happy pills up here, okay? That made you but guaranteed to make you happy with no side effects. If I had a bucket of happy pills everyone one of you would say all right. I'll try anything. Pastor Luke says, you know, take the happy pill Makes me happy. Listen, your happy pill Is the word of god God's presence Knowing what he said knowing who he is knowing what he's doing everything else is a counterfeit Is a slow digression? Mary. What made Mary so great? Two things. Karasta'o, grace, great grace, the same word used to all of you who believe. And Mary was a woman of the word, which led to her being a woman of virtue, a woman of purpose, a woman of humility, a woman of great energy and fuel. I know all the excuses. I've got them too. I wrote them down. But let me just ask you, let's spend 2017 getting to know God's promises better, getting more and more familiar and in love with God again, because check it out, I need you to hear this. I'm gonna have the worship team come up. God's word, only some of you are gonna do this. The others will be deceived into mediocrity. You'll continue exactly the same. You'll have looked into the truth and gone away forgetting what you saw. I pray not. I pray not for myself. The stakes are too high. The goal glorify God and enjoy him forever is too precious not to. Do you realize the distractions that are among us nowadays away from this word? The self-interest, the apps and the gadgets, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the YouTubes. All of the things. I love technology. I have it all. I've got accounts to all of them. But be aware of the subtlety of busyness. In a time such as this, did you know that when Mary was living her life, two tyrannical despot leaders were in charge, crazy people, Caesar, Augustus, Herod, the great crazy people nutzos. Didn't stop Mary, I'll just study my word. I'll just ask Papa another story and I'll believe what I hear and I'll respond appropriately. And when the angel showed up, ah, Mary, Mary oh, mer, mer, keres, greatly graced, God's going to use you. And then her cousin said, blessed are you who, what starts with B and rhymes with eleved. believed. Believed. believe, believe what the word, the word, the word of Isaiah, the word of Malachi, the word that she had heard, the word of the angel. Last thought, I don't have time to develop it, I'm totally blew this whole teaching. Luke one thirty seven. for with God, what? It's actually a confusing verse. It says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Because it's not what it really says. If you studied out in the Greek, you double click on with your lexicon and get in there deeper. It doesn't say nothing will be impossible. You know what it says? It says no spoken word of God. Will be impossible not nothing doesn't say nothing will be impossible it literally says no word of god will be impossible what god has said will happen what god has said will not stop what god is doing oh but it's been 800 years there's no virgin no birth what god has said will not be stopped but Jesus hasn't returned yet. It's always been this. What God has said will not be stopped. Two questions. Number one, do you know what God has said? You better, you better make it your lifelong goal. Know what He said. Number two, believe it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Father, in Jesus' name, now we have come to your house to crown you as king and study you out. And be equipped to armor up and stand. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, such a simple teaching. Such a simple exhortation. That every man and woman here would have been washed by the water of your word. That we would be equipped, Lord, for such a season as this. To not just armor up and stand for the world to see. But to also be blessed internally like mer-mer. To have that same virtue drive, dedication, discipline. I'll be the first to repent so much so much else goes in so much else goes into my mind and my ears and my eyes and I push your word away so easily I'm sorry and I need your help if you're here today and you would humble yourself and say I just need help I can't promise God anything I'm a knucklehead but you need help raise your hand right now if you need help getting into his word and you want god to draw you deeper into his word raise your hand lord you see your kids if you want god to show you what it means in psalm 119 how to love the word to know the word and believe it you need help and you're humble enough to say yeah i'm probably gonna blow it if i don't get god's help keres greatly favored greatly grace raise your hand right now lord do this and may we not be idiots in the way we structure our lives, but instead, may we make room for you on the daily. We love you. We come to the table now and celebrate the grace that covers all sins, the love, Lord, that paid for all iniquities, the Jesus that we're looking for and proclaiming his soon return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.